Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to connect.redchurch.org.au. This Wednesday, it occurred to me that we're in one of those seasonal change moments. Now, having done church for a long time, you begin to notice patterns in the year where people feel differently depending what's going on. And one of the most difficult periods of the year to do church is the last couple of weeks of August. In Melbourne, the last couple of weeks of August is the time where it feels like winter is never ending. You get these false starts, these brief little breaks in the weather, but also you get to this point where it just seems like the cold weather, the dark weather just keeps going and going and going. You wake up and it's dark and it gets dark early and it's just that sense that it's not going to stop. Additionally, what you also see around August and particularly the second part of August is just the colds and flus just keep going and going and going. And if you've been unfortunate enough to get a cold or a flu maybe earlier in June or July and you think you're past it, this is where you get hit, around, hit for the second round offers. And lots of people just, I'm sick of this. People become grumpy. It's like it's never going to end. Particularly those sort of few weeks in August, they're always the worst attended at church. People go through all different problems. And you really notice this, this definite seasonal reality that appears. Now, this is not only true of, I think, most Melbourne winters, but I think it's particularly felt this year that this has been like an extended winter that's gone for two and a half years. The colds and flus have been exacerbated after having a, a period where we didn't really have many colds and flus because we weren't socially connecting with each other um, to all of a sudden they just came back with a vengeance. And there's people in the community who have been sick just so many different times. So this sense that August was dragging on and on and on. But then there's this moment when you get off into spring and you can just sense the change. For me, it was this Wednesday. We had those beautiful sort of couple of 19 degree days. And it's like all you need is a couple of 19 degree days, some sun, and you see some significant changes in the physical conditions around you. Now, on Wednesday, most Wednesdays, we record our podcast, Rebuilders, which is something that we record uh, for a gift, really, to the, to the larger church. We'd done a few episodes before 2020, but when 2020 kicked off, we found that often we were thinking about things and we're a few steps ahead of others. So we just began, you know, getting down some of the ways we think about what it is to lead. So we wanted to gift particularly other leaders at other churches, uh, you know, what we were thinking. And it took off and it it was a real help to many people and, and has become this significant sort of resource that lots of people enjoy. But it was a strange experience recording this because at that time, most of like, you know, a lot of the time we recorded, we were in lockdown still. And so, you know, I was seeing my family and then, you know, I would see Daniel and Liddy and almost we were the only sort of other social life the rest of us had. Now, at some stage in the pandemic, a little trend emerged for us as we recorded Rebuilders where I can't remember who it was, the pioneer, I'll just leave it. Uh, up in the air, they can claim the glory for themselves later on. But either Daniel or Liddy decided one day to pick up some pastries on the way in. 
great way to support local business during a tough lockdown. But to be honest, it was just to eat pastries. There were not many uh, little, little gifts and treats at that time. And so having a pastry, recording this podcast was a really sort of fun way to break up what we were going through. Now, also what would happen is we tended to record around 10 o'clock. So you would, we would start preparing around sort of 9.30. We would eat the pastry. You'd record the episode. And then we would normally finish in time for something which really was this uniting moment for, for us as we lived through what we lived through in Melbourne at that time, which was the 11 o'clock press conference with Daniel Andrews. Do you remember? And there was all those moments where you were like, the numbers were going to go up, were they going to go down? There were moments where like, are we going to go deeper into lockdown? I'll never forget the first like major lockdown one where we'd finished an episode and, you know, I can't even remember the numbers, but, you know, it was around two, 300 cases or something like that. And we think, oh, the rest of Australia seemed to be getting rid of the numbers and we were hoping that was the direction we we're going to go. And we'd finish Rebuilders and we were watching on the, on the computer the, the press conference. And I think it was when Daniel Andrews announced that it went to like 700 or something. And we were like, oh, we are locked down. <laughs> it was just like, you know, you got these seared memories in your mind. So together, lockdown, winter, pastries, 11 o'clock Daniel Andrews press conference, you know, and coming from like, you know, uh, you know, sort of parliament and the government buildings just behind parliament is all very grey, very serious. Now, we didn't realise how much of a thing pastries would become. We mentioned on this podcast about pastries, but this has become something that people, not us, other people became obsessed with who are fans of our pastry, of our, our podcast. <laughs> And actually, that Freudian slip there makes us wonder, like, we've had people from overseas, like people in Denmark, like, sending us, this is what a real pastry looks like. Uh, I went overseas um, uh, in, in earlier in the year, and just the amount of people who, like, love the podcast, how's your pastries? Everyone just wants to talk to us about pastries. Uh, Liddy also got to go overseas uh, recently, and people asking her about pastries. Pastries has become this entire thing. But the problem from our side was... All, well, I'm not going to speak for everyone else, but I think so much pastry eating was also resulting in putting on weight. So I wanted to decouple de recording the podcast and eating the pastries, and I successfully did that. So we stopped eating the pastries, but then people were saying, hey, you're not talking about the pastries anymore. So this week, this week, Daniel said on Wednesday, let's have pastries again. I'm heading out. I said, all right, I'll come with you. So we got in Daniel's car. Liddy was setting up. And we headed to a cafe just in Blackburn South here. And as we were driving, that's when I noticed the seasonal change. It was sunny. I didn't need my parker. We're driving along. The windows are open. And you can just smell that blossoms uh, along uh, uh, Holland Road. We were driving down pollen, which if you are a hay fever sufferer is a bad thing. But like, it just smells like spring. And we were driving along the road to get these pastries, and I just had this sense that we're exiting an era and entering into a new season. And I felt a sense of like quite hopeful as we were driving. We come to the cafe, and there's chairs out the front of the cafe, and I'm like, almost the last few things that we've gone through the last few years, you feel this sense of them dropping away. And I'm thinking about this, smelling the blossoms. We pull around the corner, and I say to Daniel, my goodness, 
that bloke sitting there looks so much like Premier Daniel Andrews. <laughs> sure enough, Daniel goes, what's he going to be doing at, at, a, at a cafe? But there he was. At 10.30 in Blackburn South, sitting in the sun, looking super relaxed, just living his best life. So we're just sitting there, we're getting like pastries and, and we're like, what's he doing here? Like it was just, you know, very strange. But it was just very bizarre. And it felt like this weird moment. I'm sure, you know, visiting a local primary school or something. But it made me realize that certain periods come to an end. Often we don't recognize when that is. It was very clear when this change that we went into begun, when things went into lockdown and everyone went into it at the same time. But when you exit from things, it's not always as clear. My sense is that what's going to happen over the next few uh, months is a sense of normality will begin to return. Perhaps it's not going to look like what 2019 looked like, but I think probably by the beginning of the year, you're going to have this sense that we've moved well out of the period that we've lived through. Will there be new challenges? Yes. But the particular kinds of challenges that we've lived through in the last couple of years, you can definitely feel the sense we're moving past them. But Neil brought up something really key last week. He talked about a phenomenon that many people are experiencing even as they move out of the period and its physical conditions have changed, a kind of mental, emotional, and I would even say spiritual reality can linger. Neil referred to an article that appeared in the New York Times in 2021, written by the American psychologist Adam Grant, where Adam Grant spoke about a phenomenon that he called languishing. It wasn't so much depression, but it was a kind of languishing that as people began to emerge from everything that's happened in the last couple of years, that people didn't know how to re-enter properly. People were stuck in this particular place. One article in a psychological magazine, psychology magazine, listed some of the symptoms of what it is to be caught in languishing. First one they said was feeling disconnected. They saw that all across different areas of society, in workplaces, friendship groups, community groups, churches, there was an overwhelming sense that people felt socially disconnected from each other. There was a sense of being irritable, confused or sad, difficulty focusing or remembering, a cynicism about leaders, colleagues, careers, procrastination or a lack of motivation, a sense of emptiness or existential crisis. I would even say many people who felt that as a spiritual crisis. An absence of well-being, even though you're not sick, an inability to describe your feelings, feeling as there's nothing to look forward to, feeling as if you're just going through the motions, feeling as if you're going through a crisis, be it a quarter-life crisis, a midlife crisis, an existential crisis, etc. This is almost a laundry list of many of the pastoral problems we've had to deal with in the last couple of years and also dealt with as a team. When I speak to friends in other churches in Melbourne, but also all around the world, this is their laundry list of what they've dealt with and the people they lead are going through. Something corporate has happened to us, but it's also felt very individually. 
But I want to posit or argue this morning that these symptoms, this phenomenon languishing, is actually something that was already happening. The pandemic, like so many other social trends, simply accelerated it. Like a building which has pre-existing structural flaws, an earthquake might come and rattle it, but the pre-existing flaws were already there. And in many ways, languishing is the effect of a kind of life script that we've been living out that has been failing. When I think back to 2017, 2018, 2019, one of the key pastoral challenges that we were encountering as I spoke to people and helped people work through, and again, this wasn't just at Red, this was all over the place, was a sense that people were feeling an increased sense of burnout, a kind of exhaustion. What I call, they felt like they were running around like headless chickens. The expectation, the life script that they'd been given by the culture, from media, education, so many different parts of the culture, workplaces, was that what you were expected to live up to was a kind of vision of an all-fulfilling achievement-driven lifestyle. That you to achieve, achieve in your workplace, and through achieving in your workplace, you would find this tremendous sense of fulfillment. That you would also have your workplace, but you have side hustles, other projects, different things that you might do, and these things would also be things that you could achieve, that would give you success. That people were called to create this kind of portfolio of a life which spoke to the world, whatever the flavor was, whatever your different individual idiosyncrasies of your vision of all-fulfilling achievement, that you would communicate to the world, to your friends, to yourself, a lifestyle where you were achieving all the time in profound ways, and that this would give you a sense of fulfillment. Now, I think this had been around for several decades, but what you began to see happen in, I think, maybe 2017, 2018, 2019, was an increased questioning of this life script. Christians began to talk about, really loudly, things like Sabbath in this period, resting, silence and solitude. John McComer, who came and spoke here in 2020, released a book, another friend, A.J. Swoboda from Portland, both released books on Sabbath, and there was this great resonance as people looked beyond the life script of constant achievement to a very different way of living where you weren't constantly exhausted, feeling like you had to live up to a kind of standard. So we had this one life script, which takes a huge amount of work, of trying to achieve all the time and achieve in ways which gave you deep fulfillment. But at the same time, alongside that was another life script which challenged you to live a life of all-fulfilling recreation. That what life was, was striving and working hard to recreate really well, to create a portfolio of incredible experiences, the best holidays, the most fulfilling group of friends, the deepest social connections, the whatever you're into, the appreciation of that event, that concert, streaming that series, to do all of these things which also then filled your life with pleasure and recreation 
and an incredible kind of rest. Now, these two things weighed heavy on people. People felt the pressure, but they also felt the pressure when they weren't living up to these two visions. There was a deep sense of worry that everyone else was able to pull this off, but perhaps you couldn't. This was experienced by people who were 18 with very little responsibility, but this was also experienced as people who were 48 with kids and different responsibilities before them. This pressure to achieve in this incredible, fulfilling way and to rest in this incredible, fulfilling way, to recreate, was all around us. Now, when you don't do either of these things well, you get caught between these two visions. And I think what languishing is, yes, it's a post-pandemic phenomenon, but it was already rearing its head because when you're languishing, there's a sense of realization that you can't do either of these things, that there's some kind of falseness, hypocrisy behind these visions, that they're actually unachievable, but the shame that you're not living up to them, the frustration, the disappointment, the cynicism that you can't live up to them actually leaves you with a sense of languishing. Now, when the pandemic first comes, the pandemic disrupts immensely these two visions of life. We can't achieve everything because we can't get around. We're stuck at home working from home. Or we can't recreate our lives. We can't be constantly enjoying all these options and experiences because, again, we're locked down. So fulfillment as a vision through these things was blocked for a period of time. And if Melbourne, that was a particularly long period of time. So a lot of people sat in lockdown and thought, hang on, this vision of life is not working. Hence all these trends we see, sea changes, tree changes, the great resignation, quiet quitting, all of this stuff is actually responses to these great pressures. But where we find ourselves now, as the pause button is now released, as the numbers of cases, I think, they're, I think they're lower now than they've been all year, and the wave of Omicron's over, and you're sort of re-entering and you can see things coming back online and no masks on planes and all this stuff where it's like we're returning to some kind of pre-pandemic reality, is how do I re-enter this and not just fall back into these two life scripts? Languishing is when you realize these are wrong and they're actually a farce, but I don't know how to live any other way. And so what can happen is people can live in this kind of paralysis. People want a new way to look forward, but don't know how to move forward. The conditions of the world, as I said, I think will change. I think by February 2023, things are going to feel really different. So I think that this period now between September to February 2023, you're going to see lights come back on all across the culture. There are some challenges in the world, economic, energy, all that stuff. But I think what you'll see, particularly in our city, is lights will come back on. The city's going to have people migrate here. You're going to see things re-emerge. But spiritually, while the lights may go back on, we may find ourselves still with that sense of languishing. So between now and I think next year is actually a really strategic spiritual time for us. Now, in order to move away from languishing, we have to realize what we're moving to. 
Adam Grant says in the article that the opposite of languishing is flourishing. The opposite of languishing is flourishing. So that's really the question before us. How do we actually move towards flourishing? These are visions of flourishing that our culture gives us, but they fall short. How do we actually move to spiritual flourishing, which will then flow into the rest of our lives? Well, I think before we answer that question, we first must recognize that actually these two models given to us by our culture are actually poor photocopies of actually something we see in the Scriptures. These are post-Christian distortions of some of God's promises for us. Now, I want to go back to the very beginning. This sense of all-fulfilling achievement to create, to make things happen, to bring order in the world, all the things that we're encouraged to do, if we trace this back, we can actually see that this aligns with a promise, a call, a command that God spoke over humans. In Genesis 1.28, humans are called to rule. It says this, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Now often we can hear that word subdue and we hear it through our cultural lens. I think that means we're going to sort of go and subdue or rule over particular people or a particular place or whatever. But actually what it's talking about, when you understand this in its context, what it's actually talking about is mirroring what happens just before this where you have the world this formless sea of chaos. And God conquers that chaos, brings the chaos into order, and then God creates the world after first subduing chaos. So this is actually a subduing of chaos is something that humans are called to do. It goes on. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God bless them. Humans are blessed. And we're called to be fruitful. What is being fruitful? It's flourishing. We're called to increase in number. There's a biological reality there for humans. But really what this is also about is a spiritual reality of spiritual growth that goes and humans are called to spiritually grow in numbers till God's presence then covers the earth. We're called to rule. We're called not to be dominated by chaos. We're called to rule in God's Authority. Just as this week, the Governor-General and the Prime Minister of Australia are going to fly to London and they're going to meet with King Charles III, who will commission them because we now have a new monarch. The Governor-General of Australia, just the same thing will happen with the Governor-General of Canada and of, of Fiji and of New Zealand. They will head to London. They will be commissioned to then represent that power here in Australia. You are a governor-general, spiritually. At this point, God is like the king, bringing the governor-generals to him, giving them that authority, giving them that command to make the place in which they've been given delegated authority over to flourish and to flourish while doing it. That's what we're called to do. All our attempts to achieve, to create, to try and change things, to create a sense of self-fulfilling, creativity, order, and achievement in the world is actually a reflection of the image of God as God has created us. 
Then the next thing we see God do after giving this command to humans, in Genesis 2, verses 2 to 3, it says this, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, what's interesting, does God rest because he's puffed out? Does God rest because he's fatigued? No. God is inexhaustible. God is endless power. God is complete sovereignty. God rests, and to understand this in its context, a king would rest when he defeated his enemies. A king would rest when chaos had actually been subdued. To understand Sabbath, you have to understand that Sabbath follows subduing. Two real key markers. Humans are called to follow God, to rule, to follow God, to rest as we fulfill our task of living out our vocation as his delegated authority, his governor generals in the world. Now, this model that is given to us by the scriptures is, I think, spiritually like written in our DNA of every human. So you'll find humans everywhere trying to rule, but you'll see them doing it in their own strength, trying to be fruitful, doing it in their own strength, trying to subdue, doing it in their own strength. When subduing and ruling over is done in our own strength, it can quickly lead to oppressing and all the bad stuff we see in the world and in history. And so we do this and we constantly try and do it in our own strength. And humans are actually called to rest as a reminder that only God's power can enable us to function in the world. So what you see humans doing when they try and do this function that's written into our spiritual DNA of ruling, but we do without God's power, is you see us living out this kind of life where we rule, but we're never at rest. And then you see humans also, because it's written into our spiritual DNA, to rest and recreate. Think about that word. Recreation comes from recreate, but we try and recreate in our own strength. We try and rest in our own strength, but we've not defeated chaos. And so when you rest, you're eaten up by anxiety. When you rest, you find your addictions coming up. When you rest, you try and do it in ways which doesn't recreate. It just leads to an indulgence of the flesh and leads us into bad places. And so this isn't just a post-pandemic reality. This is actually the human condition. Humans find themselves caught between these two things, cycling in between them, never doing either one well. This is languishing. So the reason that I say this is really spiritually strategic time, I think now as we emerge, is there was a break, a disruption, and that break and a disruption was a massive opportunity. There are people here who when that disruption and break came, you saw the futility of the two models of living of the world and God came in in this new way. There are people who during the last two years have been spiritually reviewed and refreshed in incredible ways. There are others who hit languishing, hit existential crisis and find themselves now in a spiritual paralysis. And there's others who are trying to work out how to emerge from this. So this moment is deeply spiritually strategic. I think the next few months to set out patterns 
And we're going to talk more about that next week in a really practical way. But to actually establish how do we move away from languishing and take the lessons of the last two years forward. The second sermon I preached when we first went online and couldn't meet in person was about a night came. I used to quote from the Russian Christian thinker Nikolai Berdeyev who said, there's a certain kind of work that can only happen at night. And the last two years has been a kind of night. And there's been a kind of work that's happened in isolation, that's happened in quietness, it's happened in disruption. But dawn is now breaking. The sun is now coming up. How do we take the lessons that we've learned over the last two years and move forward and move out of languishing to towards flourishing? Well, I just want to give you a few ways of doing this. And these are key. If you're taking notes, get these down. The first one, I'm not going to spend hardly any time on because Neil spoke about this last week in a really eloquent way, speaking on Father's Day, sharing about the loss of his father and his stepfather. Lament. You can't get out of languishing without lamenting. Languishing happens because we've lost things. And to go back and listen to that sermon if you haven't listened to it. But lament is a biblical posture. It's an emotion. But it also has a period The Jewish people would have particular things that they would do for a set period, but then there was a particular period when that lament was over and it was time to move and re-enter into the world. So the first one is lament. That's all the time I'm going to spend on it. But the second thing is remembering the promises. Remembering the promises. Humans act out of the spiritual DNA of how God has created us in His image. And we do that, but we forget We forget that actually, yes, we're called to create, but not do it in our own strength. We only create because we follow the Creator. We can only go and rule and subdue in the world because we follow Him who rules and has subdued chaos and sin and brokenness in the world. We do it in our own strength, and we forget the promises that God has spoken over us as humans, but also individuals. In the passage we began with, as Abraham is called to go in a different way to his brother, to the rest of what the other humans seem to be doing. He is called to head in a different direction. And it says this, Genesis 13, verse 16. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. God is giving him this promise. But what's really interesting is, this is a promise that God has already given him. This is God reminding him of something which happens in the previous chapter when God first called Abram to go forth, to go out. He said this, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. When you see the story of Abraham, it's not like just God gives him this promise and this command at the beginning of his life and he's, or not the beginning of his ministry or that moment and he sets out. You see God continually reminding him. Why? Because humans forget. Humans, our memory, our spiritual memory often seems poor. We forget who we are. We have spiritual amnesia. The Apostle Paul commissioning and sending out Timothy, his disciple, 
says this, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command. So he's sending him out, giving me a command to come preach the gospel, to grow the church. I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Timothy has prophecies that have been given to him, words that have been spoken over him, scriptures which have resonated, things that in prayer meetings, in small church services in the early church in some upper room were set over him as a young man. And Paul is saying, remember, remember those words, remember those prophecies. All this stuff that is at the forefront of your mind, what this person may think and what that person may have said, push that back and remember the prophecies that have been spoken over you. Why? So that by recalling them, recalling them as a spiritual practice, then you will may fight the battle well. Taking new ground, moving into a new season, passing into a new era does not always mean that it's going to be easy. I'm not saying here that we're heading into some new era and it's going to be like so smooth and so easy. There's going to be challenges. There's a lot of challenges in the world. And when those challenges come, what we must do is recall the prophecies and promises that God has spoken over us. Now, I think this is key. I think this season, as we move into it, there are prophecies and promises that have individually been spoken over people in this room that need to be recalled. There is some work that needs to be done to go back over journals, to sit in the quiet and recall things that may have been said a year ago, maybe 10 years ago. What has been spoken over you? Who are you in God? To get that sense of yourself and your identity away from what the world around you says, what the culture says, what the markers of success, those failing life scripts that I put up at the beginning of this talk. To actually reset on what God is saying, who you are, what he has said in the past. Remember the promises. The next step on the way out of languishing is to look forward spiritually. One of the symptoms that was listed in the chart at the beginning of this talk of languishing is an inability to look forward. Now, this is understandable because for a long time in the material conditions of our lives in the last two years, it was really hard to look forward. The holiday that was booked when we thought everything would open up again and then had to be cancelled, the events that were changed, the weddings that kept having to get moved and attendances reduced, the point where we stopped giving up. I bought in 2021 a calendar, put it on my wall in an act of faith, and like the calendar for 2020, it just stayed empty. And then I rolled it up at the end of the year and threw it in the bin. So it's understandable in the physical conditions of why it's difficult to look forward. But the invitation out of languishing is not just to now come up with some awesome life plan. It's actually to look forward spiritually. Look what God says to Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north and the south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. That promise must be looked at again. Some translations have look up. He's here. He needs to look up. 
He's looking here. He needs to look over there. He needs a new spiritual vista, and this is linked to the promise. To see the promise, which we get in the second part of that verse, which is a reminder of what happens in the previous chapter, to see that promise, he must look forward spiritually. And maybe you look forward and it's really hard to do that in terms of where you'll be living or what your job will be or what your economic situation will be or who your friends will be in six months. But we can still look forward spiritually. We can look forward to the promises that God has for us. There are promises spoken over your life. There are promises spoken over Red Church's life, over the church more broadly. To see that, we need to look up at this moment and look forward spiritually. Lament, remember the promises, look forward spiritually, but the last step is really, really key. To languish is to pause. To languish is to be stuck. To languish is to live in stasis. To languish is just to plateau and not move anywhere. But what you see in Genesis 13 verse 17 is God commands, God commands Abraham to get this vision, to step into this new land, to move into a new season, to inaugurate this new era, to respond to the seasonal change and the scent of blossoms in the air. Go, walk. Go, walk. Walking is a physical form that responds to the spiritual vision of faith. Walking is hearing the obedience, the message that God gives us, his command, and being obedient to it. And that message and command is met with obedience, and obedience has to have intent. Many people hear God's word. Not everyone responds to it. So I'm going to give you a little mathematical equation. Obedience plus intent is the way out of languishing. Obedience plus intent is the way out of languishing. God creates humans to be his delegated authority in the world because he wants to partner with us. The Governor General, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, will go to London, I think it's this week, and meet with King Charles to receive that delegated authority. But they do that, coming back, and they've got a lot of leeway to then instigate that and step into the responsibility that they have here in Australia to make Australia flourish. It's the same with us. God creates you in his image. He's spoken a promise over you. He is calling you forward. But we have to be met with intent, that responsibility. We can't do it in our own power. We need God's power. But we all need to step forward from just reactivity to proactively stepping forward with God. And languishing happens when we don't take that form of responsibility for stepping into who you were created to be. Now, as I said, next week, I'm going to talk about this in more detail and talk about this more practically and do part B. But I felt that we almost, after all that we've gone through, is something that's really powerful, you realize that when you come back in person, there's certain things that you can only do that mean something when you do them together, when you're not just watching on a screen, when you're actually doing something physically embodied. 
That's what's so powerful about being in community together. And as I prayed about this service and this sermon and this sense of a seasonal change, let's begin to ask God, how should we mark this? Should we have a time of prayer down the front at the end? How should we mark this? And I felt that actually we need to do something symbolic. This is an invitation. You do not have to do it. But something to mark the end of a period that we've gone through for the last two years, an end of a period which happened really suddenly, came upon us real quick, and life changed like that. And so almost because there's no marking of the end, I noticed, like, I remember early on when you would have these daily numbers and you were watching the numbers, and it was like our entire sort of, like, like ability to do things was based on these numbers. It was fascinating this week. I looked at the numbers. No one talks about them anymore. And I was really surprised how low they were. And I thought, why is it that when they're going up, we're so attuned to them, but when they get so low, no one talks about it? There's no clear exit strategy. And so I felt like we're not in control of any of that. But what we are in control of is our ability to respond spiritually to this season. And so you'll notice down the front, this is the explanation for the trees. They've got two trees. First, I just want to say something about the trees. These are olive trees. In the scriptures, scriptures use trees in really symbolic ways. There's terebinths and palms. Olives are really rich with biblical meaning. Olives produce olives. Olives produce olives. If you're taking notes, write that down. (laughs) Olives produce olive oil. Olive oil is used to anoint kings speaks of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I've mentioned a few times the fact that we now have a new king. What's radical about the Scriptures is that the vision that we see in Genesis for Adam and Eve is that every human is called to be a royal priest, a kingly or queenly priest. You're called to be a royal priest. In the kingdom of God, you're called to take the kind of stature that you see in an earthly king or an earthly queen like Elizabeth or Charles. You were given a vocation, you were called, you were anointed, you have purpose. Everything the culture tells you about who you are, most of it doesn't align with reality. The truest thing is that you have a purpose. You were called to rule over chaos. You were called not to be ruled by your addictions, your flaws, your flesh, your sins. Jesus died on the cross king of kings, and he wants to invite you into that delegated authority. He wants to give that to you. So these trees carry deep symbology of that anointing. But as I I, I prayed and I thought about this, I originally thought it'd be great to almost have a doorway people could walk through, but as I sat in it during the week, I just felt like actually the word gate came clear. The word gate. And I felt like we had to Walk through a gate. It's interesting, in the book of Ezekiel, it says this, Ezekiel 62, verses 10. Pass through, pass through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Remove the stones. And so how we're going to end this service is in a sort of enacted, walked prayer. We're going to sort of have a ministry time at the end. I'll 
allowing the Spirit to move through us. What we're going to ask you to do, I'll sort of act it out. I won't go all the way around the back, but if you're on those sides, I'm going to encourage you to go that way and use these two. We've got two here. Use these as a kind of gateway. And so when you're ready and you want to put the past season behind you, when you want to choose to respond to God's invitation, His command, to step forward, into your authority, to step out of languishing and to move towards flourishing. I'm going to ask you to pass through this gateway of these olive trees. As you pass through them, you'll find on the small table where we took communion from a small postcard-sized piece of card which has got that verse written on it. That's a promise. Put that aside, put it on your fridge, put it in your journal, put it in your bedroom, wherever it may be. Take a photo, use it as your screen on the back of your phone. Go walk the, through the length and breadth of the land for I'm giving it to you. Again, there's no compulsion here. This is simply an invitation. If one person chooses to do it, that's absolutely no problem. But for those of you who would like to walk through this gate, to step into the flourishing, I'm going to pray now as we step into this moment. Let's stand. God, we recognize the season that we've been in. We recognize that it has physical realities. And we see some of those realities changing now, but we also realize that even though the physical realities may change, we may be caught in a season of languishing. And so we want to say yes to you. We want to say yes to the new thing that you have for us. We think of the words of Scripture which says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you not see it? And so we want to say yes to the new thing. We want to choose to walk out. To leave what behind needs to be left behind. To step forward, obedient to your call with holy intent. And so we just give you the last season. The good, the bad, the indifferent, the boring, the restriction, disappointment. We want to leave it behind and we want to step into the promise, the call, the authority, the anointing, the flourishing. So we just give this time to you. Use it. May your Holy Spirit come into this moment. We know you're here. We become attentive to you. Spirit, work through us. In your name. Amen. So when you're ready, just walk around the sides. Come through the gate. If you want to pray at the front, perhaps kneel, sit on the side of the stage, that's fine. If you just want to head back to your seat, no problems. So just have some instrumental music for a little moment. The worship will begin. Take your time. When you're ready, the invitation is there to step into the new season.